Crime Scene and Cupcakes is an independent podcast created in the Anchor app, funded mainly through advertising. The podcast often has coarse language and disturbing content. Please listen wisely. Hey guys, it's Marianne, Dogma, Baker, True Crime Podcast Maker. Today, we are bringing you a bite-sized bonus podcast. I love that we are starting this new series on National Dog Day because it's all about dogs and the law. As you guys know, I am the mom to six crazy canines who mean the world to me. And when I'm not talking about true crime, I'm talking about true tales. Well, puppy tales. So for today's story, I thought we might kick things off with a topic that's more in my wheelhouse and one I actually get a lot of questions about, cadaver dogs, or as they're known nationally, human remains detection dogs or HRDDs. Now I come across a lot of people who will I run into them at community events and different things, and they'll come and they'll tell me, oh, wow, well, you know, my dog is a trained rescue dog, or my dog is a trained cadaver dog, which I love meeting new people in these type of groups, so it's always fun to try to meet new people, but I always ask them, okay, where have they been trained at, or what institute are they under, and A lot of times I'll hear, well, it's some website or something like that that they printed off a certification. So I just want to make a point for a dog to be recognized by a law enforcement agency, which they need to be, because a lot of these cases go to the court of law, which is extremely important for a dog to be recognized by a law enforcement agency they have got to meet the industry standard. And these standards are set by the national certification agencies. It's not something you can just get off the web. If you are thinking that, or if you have a dog that you are interested, or it's a field that you're wanting to get into, there are some amazing websites, and I will be sure to put the links to of where you can get a hold of somebody and learn the appropriate ways to get into this field. One of the national associations for search and rescue is the North American Police Work Dog Association. And then there is the United States Police Canine Association. There are also state agencies. Now, sometimes different states will require at the state level. So even like here at the state of Kansas, they have some different requirements and there is a great Kansas canine search and rescue association that also has cadaver dogs that are registered within them. It's this really cool event that Greeley, Colorado holds this national conference where the best cadaver dogs come for training for uh, from all over the United States. And they also hold another one in Gunnison, Colorado, because there's a lot of abandoned old mining towns there where there's a lot of graves that aren't marked and you can actually go and try to find that your dog will try to find the bodies and 
it, it's it's incredible. And it's actually going to be a topic of what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to try to keep this brief because I did say bite size. I did want to, even though we're keeping this short, I wanted to dispel some myths about cadaver dogs. You're going to hear me referring to a scientific paper that was completed in 2020 by Dr. Clement Martin, Dr. Claire Dietrich, and Professor Francois Verhagen. The study was done by contacting cadaver handlers in law enforcement communities from all around the world. So the picture everyone has in their head when a law enforcement dog is mentioned is usually the Malinois Shepherd or a German Shepherd, which because of that stereotyping, it's generally they're used because of their agility and it's usually because they are a canine partner. And they're used as drug dogs or as police enforcement dogs. That's why you will see them because their agility is friggin' amazing. But it's also, so that is the number one dog that most people see when they're thinking of law enforcement. And unfortunately, it's also now become when somebody is wanting to get a dog to go into this field, it's the primary dog that they will choose. HRDD handlers need to consider the ORC when selecting their animal. Now the ORC are olfactory receptor cells. That's their smeller on the cells or on the epithelium or the skin on the nose of the dog that helps with scenting. Now a shepherd has 225 million ORCs. That's a lot. But a bloodhound has over 300 million ORCs. So that's one thing that we look at from a scientific perspective is what is their diameter of ORCs when they are scenting? Now, it is up to certain breeds, but it can also be up to an individual dog as to how many ORCs that the dog might have. Also, another thing we look at from a scientific perspective is dogs who have large ears or dewlaps. The large ears help trap scenting molecules, focusing on the scent of the nose. So when a dog is scenting, when you will see a bloodhound out scenting, their larger ears fall forward, which helps trap scent molecules to the front of their nose so that they can actually trap the smells better. So they will actually be picking up a higher number of a scent. Now I am not, shepherds are amazing. They have, and we are gonna talk about a shepherd today that did an amazing job. I'm just saying that in certain areas, some dogs do a better job. So you just need to look at what area you're working in. And some dogs would work better in certain areas than others. And that's also what this paper talks about is looking at the area and the environment that the dog is working in, like coat, agility, um, and those types of things, like in an urban location. I have actually seen in urban locations in other countries where um, in Belgium, they actually utilize English Springer Spaniels. The large ear, the heavier coat, because of the weather there, they utilize those types of dogs as their cadaver dogs a lot more. In Germany, I have seen them utilize the beagle a lot more, uh, the more urban areas, because the dog is able to get around more. 
I have seen in more urban areas where a corgi, uh, a spelt corgi, not a heavier corgi, is utilized because they are able to get down and under and also their herding aspect. Of, and then you have to look at, is it a primary water search? The Newfoundland is an amazing center when it comes to water. Just some different things we look at. And we're gonna discuss this more and show more of cadaver dogs in action on our YouTube channel, Crime Scene and Cupcakes. Josh Mankiewicz discusses this case actually in detail during an episode titled, Trouble at the 7-Eleven Ranch, Season 28, Episode 45. And as I said, it takes place in Gunnison, Colorado. And it's the case of Jake Millison. Now, he had a strained relationship with his family, mostly because he was the one in charge of the 7-Eleven Ranch. Now, he had butted heads with his sister and his mom, and his sister had married a carnival worker and that didn't go over well. Things really came to a head in January of 2013 when David allegedly brandished a firearm at Jake during an argument and Jake got a restraining order against his sister's husband. But he never enacted it per the Gunnison Country Times. The last time anyone saw Jake was May 15th 2015. He had made plans with his friends the next day, but he never showed up. And that's not like Jake. Jake was a guy who could be counted on. He practiced MMA and it made him a responsible guy. He was a stand-up guy. So his friends knew there was something not right. He went to Jake's family and they told him that Jake was at an MMA conference. Well, that's a bunch of bull because they know the MMA people. That's not right. So they go to the police department and they file a missing person report. Detectives come to Jake's mom and ask them where Jake could possibly be. And she can't even tell them the last time she saw Jake. She's very convoluted with that. And I don't know a lot of parents who are confused as to the last time they've seen their child. Detectives know, even without an amazing sniffer dog, that something does not smell right at the 7-Eleven Ranch. But the thing about the 7-Eleven Ranch is that it's massive. The property is huge. And so the prosecutor, Jessica Wagner, She's getting the evidence together. She's matching the stuff up, but there's no Jake. And they know he's got to be on that property. The body has got to be there somewhere. She's lining stuff up to execute the search warrant, but she's waiting not just for the weather to clear, not only to line up her evidence, but Wagner is also waiting for a special event that occurs every year in Gunnison, Colorado. The annual convention of dogs. And I love how Josh Mankiewicz puts it. So again, go back and listen to that episode on Dateline. As Josh Mankiewicz puts it, not just any dogs, dogs with a particular set of skills, skills that make them a nightmare for some people. And yes, they do. 
Our little guys converge for certification for FEMA by going into abandoned mining towns, and as I said, they're conducting searches for grave sites. Now, this gathering is known to bring some of the top cadaver search dogs in the country. So, Prosecutor Wagner knew if she timed this just right, she would have some of the best fluffy puppies and most brilliant handlers. So she got a hold of Lisa Higgins. Now Lisa Higgins is a 30-year cadaver dog handler and veteran. And at this time, Lisa became the liaison between the prosecutor and the group of handlers and their dogs. So early in the morning on the 17th, all the cadaver dogs got together with their handlers and dozens of investigators. And I wanted to just bring this up as another important aspect of cadaver dogs. This is something I think Hollywood has kind of taken out of context. A lot of times you'll see the cadaver dog and their handler kind of going out by themselves, out into the woods. But actually cadaver dogs have to be able to be trained to be able to switch to a different handler. A cadaver dog needs to be able to take commands to a different from a different handler. Uh, cadaver dogs need to be able to work in groups and not be shy. They need to be very well behaved. So these are qualities that need to be worked on and need to be bred into these types of dogs. So these are things that are being looked at with these dogs. A smaller group of investigators, as we are standing and waiting about a mile from the 7-Eleven ranch, a smaller group of investigators had proceeded beforehand to serve the warrant before the larger group could come onto the property. And let me tell you, as they are serving the warrant, people begin scattering from all areas of the ranch. They're all coming out wondering what the hell is going on because SWAT is coming in, guns drawn, clearing the area. Now, when Jake's mom is informed that a group of highly trained cadaver dogs were up the way, waiting to be released onto her property, Deb Rudabaugh told law enforcement that while Jake and Deb Rudabaugh is Jake's mom, she tells law enforcement that while Jake was sleeping, she had shot him in the head and buried his body in a manure pile in the corral. And that is the coldest, most horrific mother I've ever heard. Enforcement comes back and notifies the handlers of this. So it's decided that Jack, a German Shepherd, is the best snout for the job. With his experience and everything, Jack is released into the corral. Daver dogs have two main techniques. They have air scenting, and that's where they're picking up the scent of decay from the air, and then they follow it to its source. The second is called trailing. This is a skill where you see the dog will pick up its scents from the ground. A lot of times you'll see that when the body has been drugged along the ground. And they can do this after quite a bit of time. And Jack hits on an area where he has scented decomposition. He did what is called a passive sit. Now cadaver dogs will generally stay in motion until they alert to a scent. Now, most trainers will teach their dog to alert or what we call passive sit. 
The dog does not alert by barking or whining. They alert until their handler and law enforcement identify the area. How a cadaver dog alerts their handler that they have found something. And that is when the handler will then identify the area, notify the law enforcement, and the law enforcement will then come in, mark the area, and then they will then identify for the forensic anthropologist and the rest of the law enforcement to dig and remove the area and see if there is anything identifiable there. Uh, in this case, radar and sonar sensors were brought in and it was identified that something was there and a backhoe was then brought in. Investigators then bring in a backhoe and Jake Millison was found. So that was such a good boy, Jack. And Jack got his treats because Jack did an awesome job. So we just want to say good job, Jack, because Jack was our pause in the law for today. He did a great job finding Jake Millison. So I want to identify all the great handlers and everybody for that day. And again, you can hear the full story about Jake Millison and the trouble at the 7-Eleven Ranch on Dateline, as is told by Josh Mankiewicz. And we'll have a new episode of Crime Scene and Cupcakes and True Crime in Kansas this Sunday. And again, if you go to our YouTube channel, we didn't do it today. We'll do it later on because it was just much too hot to take the puppers out earlier today. So we're hoping this evening is going to cool down. We have been promised we're supposed to get some rain to cool it down, but I did not want to work our puppers out for today. So we will get it and then we're going to have some examples of the training that we go through and also what you will look for in ORCs and the do labs and interested in that you can go to our YouTube channel crime scene and cupcakes we'll have those videos up once the weather is a little bit better to have dogs outside so we can show you what we do in those situations we hope you found pause in the law interesting we're going to cover more than cadaver dogs we're actually going to be covering all sorts of dogs in the law and we're also going to be talking about some of the dogs who have given their life at what we call the end of call and how they have sacrificed for other law enforcement agencies so thanks a lot for listening and stay safe